Welcome to the That Don't Fit podcast, a podcast where we're dedicated to talking about life and less real issues that cross racial and generational lines. My name is Jared Torrance, and I'm here with my co-host, Andy Farmer. We're friends, we're pastors, we're wanting to help people talk and process life in a crazy world. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of That Don't Fit. I am excited today because we have an incredibly special guest with us this afternoon. Hailing all the way from Washington, D.C., we have our great and wonderful friend, the theological mastermind. Is this how you describe Andy? (laughs) No, no, no. no, I describe myself that way. (laughs) We have with us my good friend, Isaac Adams. Hey, man. It's good to be here with y'all. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. So for those who do not know, uh, Isaac Adams and I became friends through Twitter. That's the, right. A joy of social media. Mm-hmm. Twitter friends to real friends. Mm-hmm. And here we are now, uh, speaking in person, mm-hmm. loving one another. He is a wonderful brother in Christ. Um, part of the reason why we had him on, there's, okay, there's actually a few reasons why we had him on. Um, Isaac is a man who absolutely loves the gospel. Uh, he is biblically minded and, uh, there's, it doesn't seem like he's swayed by cultural pressures or other things like that. He's, he's a leader. Uh, he's a young man like me. Uh, so you've got a young, talented, godly man who has a, uh, specific burden that he carries regarding ethnic unity. And, uh, the main ways he desires to fight that is through prayer, which I absolutely love. I feel like that's something that's missing in a lot of conversations Mm. around race and ethnicity. Uh, But he's always taking these problems to the throne of grace. Mm. And so um, I'm excited for you guys to get to know Isaac. Uh, We talk just about once a month. Mm -hmm. Um, He's been a good, good brother and a wonderful encouragement to me. He's actually a gift of God's grace uh, to me as we, talk through issues around race and ethnicity, talk through what it's like pastoring. Um, and it's a joy to have him on the podcast. So thanks for coming on, brother. Bro, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's just a pleasure to be with you, brothers. Yeah, um, let's see, Andy, uh, where are we going with next? Let's... Where we're going next is, tell us about yourself. Yes. Yeah, happy to do that, man. Um, let's see. Otherwise, I'll talk about me. <laughs> hey, man. Well, Jared, Jared already described you in the intro. Yes. So we, <laughs> but that's not know. near enough. <laughs> Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, born and raised in Washington, D.C. Um, lived there my whole life, except for a little stint overseas uh, in Brazil and then uh, down in North Carolina where college was. Um, Where'd you go to school? UNC. Okay. So yeah. that's why I think I, we, earlier at lunch we were talking about playing Michael Jordan one-on-one. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you get, you know, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. that's why I think I could at least have some chance. Maybe he'd be merciful. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, lived there um, my whole life. And then, I mean, it's funny where I'm talking about living um, because tomorrow, I mean, by the time this is recorded, Lord willing, I know the answer or by the time it's released. uh, I'm candidating at a church in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, So maybe this will just be a painful recording if they wind up not (laughs) calling me. But 24 hours from this uh, recording, they vote on me, Lord willing, uh, to be their lead pastor. But anyway, I'm married to Megan. Uh, we have, um, and maybe just for the purposes of this podcast, like you, Jared, I'm in yeah. a, um, interracial marriage. Yeah. Uh, we got four or three little kids. Um, I was like, not like you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got three little kids, uh, Avit, Teddy and Mabel, uh, say they look, look like little balls of peanut butter on wheels. So, uh, that's that. Um, I am an assistant pastor right now at Capitol Hill Baptist church. I've mm-hmm. uh, been there uh, for a number of years and then, uh, yeah, began a ministry called United We Pray. So I think we'll talk a little bit more about that, yes, uh, about sure. praying, about uh, some of the matters we'll be talking about here. So I think that's the short of it. I like writing. Uh, I've written a couple of things. And I mean, I, I think I should really just introduce myself as your friend. I mean, that's that's <laughs> yeah. the honor I carry through life. So. We, we all do. That's we right. That's right. That's fantastic. FOJs. <laughs> Actually, you know, I, I do want to jump into United We Pray because I feel like it is a resource that's out there that everyone should be tuning into. Like, you know, a lot of our the members of our church listen to this podcast and I want like hear this out. This is an explicit um, 
promotion and encouragement to go to United We Pray's website, youwepray.com. That's right. The they, letter U, W-E-P-R-A-Y.com. Oh, yes. That's great. And uh, look at the, they've, you guys have got like resources. You guys have a podcast that you do. Um, you guys have, I, I love the, the toolkits. Uh, yeah, can you talk, man. Yeah, just tell us. Okay, so tell us about all the different resources you've got on there. Talk to us about how that started, why you've got it going on, and kind of what you guys do. Yeah, man. Let me. Uh, so let me <clears throat> just back up to kind of why it started. Yeah. Um, I think you know we were just talking even at lunch as pastors about uh, matters the nation is wrestling with and mm-hmm. has wrestled with. Uh, you know, in some ways we could say for centuries. Um, and so, but I think. In these last, in this last decade, what you really have are three high-profile shootings, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to try to describe this in such a way that wherever you fall on the spectrum, I mean, just factually, three yep. high-profile shootings: 2012, Trayvon Martin; 2014, Mike Brown; and 2020, mm-hmm. George Floyd. Uh, and I think these were all three kind of, epi- three kind of um, quakes that shook the church, yep. evangel- the evangelical church, yeah. uh, in some form or capacity around this conversation about race and racism. Um, and I think we could feel the tremors of that mm-hmm. in different ways in different congregations all over. And I think, you know, just because you talked about, I mean, being biblical, so United We Pray has four aims, being biblical, being clear, being hopeful, and being helpful. Yeah. Uh, we want to be all four of those things. But just to be biblical, I mean, Acts 6 I think shows us that while we don't have necessarily a racial divide in the same way, we have a cultural and kind of ethnic divide in Mm -hmm. the church that Satan used to shake the church from day one because Satan is interested in the church uh, harboring racism or prejudice because it keeps people from seeing the witness of Jesus Christ and what he do, what he does in bringing different men and women together. Mm -hmm. So John 13, 35, Jesus says by this, all people will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. Yes. So if we hate one another or are partial to one another, whatever that partiality may be based on politics, uh, gender or race, then Satan is pleased and he's been pleased to uh, afflict the church in this way for a long time. And so fast forward to 2014, Mike Brown happens uh, and the nation is kind of freshly broiling Mm -hmm. again. I think a lot of churches and Christians are. And basically, man, what happened is uh, I was on that uh, Fountain of Wisdom Twitter uh, and seeing everyone's pontifications, seeing my own pontifications and really getting tired of it, frankly, mm-hmm. especially my own pontifications. So I did this radical thing. I put down my phone and read a book. And the book uh, I read was this collection of sermons by Francis Grimke, oh, an African-American yeah. pastor, yeah. Uh, early, early 20th century uh, late 19th century, early 20th century. And uh, he had this one sermon he preached in 1898 that I think changed my life. Uh, and it was called God in Prayer as Factors in the Struggle. Mm. God in Prayer mm-hmm. as Factors in the Struggle. And, I mean, Grimke was just saying things. I, I was just so convicted by the way he spoke about prayer. Yeah. Uh, the way he talked about prayer. Uh, and... Um, I mean, I, I feel like I should read some. I mean, like, I, this is a long answer. I know we're trying to go shorter, but I, I, I can read some stuff later from Grimke. That's that is great. Just, it would be that. worth the whole time. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so what I wanted to do was put a flag in the ground for prayer about these matters to yes. say whether you are Republican or Democrat, white, black, Hispanic, or Asian, mm-hmm. wherever you're at, if you're a Christian, you agree we should pray. Yeah. So the Bible commands prayer. We're clear on that. Yep. Pray without ceasing. Uh, church history commends prayer. There's Francis Grimke. Yeah. Uh, pastors know about prayer, so I'm not a sociologist or a, you know, an epidemiologist or whatever you yeah. know, controversy might be raging right now. Uh, but I am a pastor, so I should know something about prayer. And yeah. Christians agree on prayer. So wherever you're at, uh, you agree we should pray about these matters. So I wanted to just do, because I think, man, so often in this conversation when I teach on race, the, the number one question is, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and, and that's, a, that's a good and godly question in yeah. so many respects. Um, but it seems to be that prayer is the last instinct when it should be the first. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for doing a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm, doing, I'm all for doing it in the power of God's grace and strength, yes. yep. not our own flesh. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I think the more I read about racial history, racial divisions, the more obvious it is that we are like the brothers and sisters in Second Chronicle, in Second Chronicles 20 
who say, we don't know what to do, mm-hmm. but our eyes are on you. Yes. Because these are not things we can conquer in our lifetime or in our own strength. Mm-hmm. So we're going to need to borrow from another. And who better than God himself? So he's like, ah, he's more willing to give than we are to receive. Why would we not ask? Yeah. And so that's what we tried to do. So we started this podcast uh, and just to say, hey, let's talk about some stuff. Let's have a kind of horizontal conversation. Then let's have a vertical conversation and just pray together and see what the Lord might do. And then a sub goal was to help Christians think better about race and racism. So we write lots of articles. And then, yes, so kits are uh, content that's topically arranged, kind of like a happy meal to say, here you go. Here are some articles, a podcast, maybe a little fun social media graphic, whatever it may be, to help you think better about whatever given topic. Uh, whether it be, I mean, dare I say these three letters, CRT or, uh, you know, uh, or, or, you know, whatever it may be. Yes. Uh, so yep. that's what we're trying to do with the kits. And hopefully it's helpful content for y'all. Man. That's great. My uh, answers will be shorter. No, that's on. no, I, yeah. man, I'm all, I'm all fired up. No. I'm sweating no. full of joy. And, and that's the thing, like, even in hearing you talk, we can hear those aims coming through biblical, clear, hopeful. I forgot the other one, but it's probably in there too. <laughs> it's helpful. Helpful. Yes. <laughs> well, and to that point, I mean, I think a lot of what you see in this conversation so often is people tearing one another down. Like yes, Christianity yeah. is fundamentally about edification. Right. Yeah. It's about building up. Mm-hmm. So we want to, you do have to like, you know, we're sitting here in the Marshall house. Some stuff had to get torn down, Yeah. Mm-hmm. but ultimately it's beautiful because it was built back up. Yes. And that's, that's what good. we want to do. We want to help people mm-hmm. as much as we can. That's good. So, what about your journey just kind of coming to this place where you said, you know, I, th- I think we got to pray. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, probably like you, JT, like I've got, I've, I feel like I've lived between two worlds in mm-hmm. some sense as a African-American who grew up in a lot of predominantly white spaces. Yeah. So I think, you know, there was a while where I think I was like a lot of people like, what's the issue? And like, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, and, you know, whatever weird comment, I would kind of just like, be like, okay, yeah. whatever, that's not a big mm-hmm. deal. Um, but I think it was when, you know, in this last decade, when a lot of these things were coming afresh and you start hearing more stories. So my mom starts sharing stories about, you know, so I talk about mm-hmm. one thing um, in my book is uh, I talk about racism being the Velcro sin. Yeah. So many things stick to it. <clears throat> Education, <throat> economics public housing, whatever you want to call it. So, and that's one reason why it's so difficult to talk about because so we're going to talk about why I think it is paramount. We understand why it's so hard to talk about this. Mm -hmm. I think if we gave some time to think about the smaller problem of Christians, dysfunctional communications about race, we'd so much better understand the larger problems that have so long divided our nation, our community and our churches. And so one reason is because we try to have every conversation in every conversation. Uh, And so, you know, we started talking about talking about colonial American history. Uh, but then we wound up arguing about Donald Trump and mass incarceration. We yes. just made this yeah. massive, and none of us are qualified to speak about any of these <laughs> right, things, really. Right. right? And so, um, but, you know, so my mom tells me this story about the first chili dog she had. And it's like, okay. And um, she talks about how she was in North Carolina. She had to eat at a segregated lunch counter, and she was not allowed to use the restroom. So right there, you have racism touching upon food, Mm -hmm. the bathroom, uh, a little girl's memory. Yeah. And all, and uh, I'll give you, let me give you just again, another example from my mom really quickly. Um, uh, My mom is, I think, the most solid Christian I know, just... (laughs) Through and through. Yeah. Uh, she is my favorite theologian. <laughs> so she's, always, she's only been a cheerleader of me applying to a church, going to a church. So I said, Mom, I found this church. She said, great, excellent. Yes, yeah. And uh, I said, it's in Birmingham, Alabama. And she just recoils. And my mom's very meek, like yeah. never, mm-hmm. not, not outspoken. My mom's very meek. She goes, oh, Isaac, mm. I told the Lord I would never step foot in that city after they blew up those four little girls. Mm. And so what you see there is, you know, uh, my mom's birthday was yesterday. I will not reveal your age, mom. Uh, but <laughs> my mom could have been one of those girls. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And so what we see is, you know, we're going to probably disagree. Even maybe us uh, four in this room are probably going to disagree about the extent of racism. But I don't know that any of us are going to disagree that we're in its shadow to some degree. Yeah. yeah. 
And um, that's because so that is, and so in hearing these stories and realizing that shadow is still there, what we want to do and what we have is the gospel which shines light into the shadows. Yes, it does. Which, which, which shines light on the darkness. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to be afraid of the darkness even in our own church history. Yeah. Right? So I just preached on Genesis 9 and I was mm-hmm. as clear as clear could be on the curse of Ham. Because yeah. the joy is, and uh, this is the last thing I'll say on this question, but the joy, the scandal of the gospel is not that Christians can sin and commit sins like racism. The scandal of the gospel is that Christ forgives repentant right. racists. Yeah. Yeah. And he, Christ forgives ethnic partiality, which yes. is how I would define racism yep. from James 2. No partiality, whether yep. it be class, mm-hmm. gender, or ethnicity. And so I don't think we need to be afraid of the conversation mm-hmm. or act like we don't have the resources to deal with exactly. it. And because we do in the way the world doesn't. So, you know, the Atlantic just released this article about the fracturing of America, which is, I think, reflected in some level, the fracturing of churches. Mm -hmm. And it asked this question. It's it's as simple as it is haunting. Is reconciliation possible? And I'm just sitting here being like, in the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ, the answer is yes. Yes. And it is unique. It is a unique answer. Mm-hmm. We are the answer to the world's question. So yes. when Jesus is praying in John 17, 21, yeah. that the world would see we're one, yeah. that they might believe he sent, the Father sent him, he's praying that for our evangelistic witness to a watching in a divided and a dividing world that is looking, and that is why Satan's so keen yeah. on keeping us divided. Anyway, I will pause that sermon. Man. So that would be... Uh, <laughs> that would be kind of some of the journey and then just realizing like man i and i mean frankly when i asked that question what can i do i i feel like i I hope i have some good answers now but i didn't (laughs) at the time so i was like i think all i got is prayer yeah that's all i got and that is a great answer man that is fantastic I'm so glad you're you're here, man. This is so good. Really, my answers will be shorter. No, I, I don't think I want them to be shorter. We're, we're not going to believe it anymore. If, if yeah, that, just, yeah, you just go. Be free. <laughs> yes, be free. Be if, free to go. If that's what happens when your answers are long, give us long answers all day long. Uh, yeah. But make sure I read some Grimke at the end. Yes. It, I mean, it, yeah. it, yeah. I wrote it down here. We're going to put it in our stuff. So. Okay, uh, perfect. Good. That's great. So, yes, United We Pray. The letter U, we pray.com. That's right. Yeah, com, And you'll get more of that, which I think all of us need. And just one fun little hidden tidbit. So it's United We Pray, but there's a question mark behind United. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe United We Pray. Uh, But I think the reason we put that there is because I think the unity of Christians as regards race and ethnicity is a question in a lot of people's minds. Mm. I think a justified question. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, so I had someone ask me, is there ever a day when that will become an exclamation point. Ooh. United, we pray. And I'm like, I hope so. I hope so, too. I'm not sure we're there yet. And we are in the sense that Christ has done this work. Mm-hmm. We maintain the work. Yes. But uh, I think we've got room to grow. That's great, man. And you uh, you gave, gave a little bit of hinting to this earlier, but you have also written a book. Well, you've written a few books. Yeah, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is this the first one that's specifically around it is. ethnicity. It T- is. Talk to us about it. What do you did you land on a title? I did. I did. Lord, I mean, we better have by this point. <laughs> uh, uh, no, my title had to change. So originally, I'll, I'll, okay. Well, I'll get. I'll come back to this. But um, uh, the book is called "Talking About Race: Gospel Hope for Hard Conversations." Oh. Talking about race, gospel hope for hard conversations. Uh, and you can pre-order it on Amazon. If hey, this yo. sounds like a commercial, it's because it is. So <laughs> show notes. Uh, we'd, lo- we'd love that. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. So uh, <laughs> Lord willing comes out in January. Um, and what I'm trying to do in this book is answer the question, why is it so hard for Christians in America to talk about race? Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to stare at that question because mm-hmm. again, I believe, I think a lot of us want to rush to action, whether it be, and these are good ends, mm-hmm. justice, Unity in our church, yeah. whatever it is. And I think before we talk about action, we have to realize why we can't talk, period. Mm. And if we do learn why we can't talk, then we will actually be better equipped to go further in that very work we want to accomplish. And we'll actually be able to f- combat the racism we say we hate and maintain the unity we say we want. Mm. So that's what I'm trying to do in the book. Uh, I do it through... Um, 
it's it's a weird little animal this book uh <laughs> and it nearly killed me but um uh what i try to do is i actually tell the story of a just a fictional unarmed shooting or, or shooting of an unarmed black man and i say hey imagine this church uh it's actually funny it's like it's outside it's, of philadelphia yeah. so oh, no. it's not about y'all but uh uh imagine this church here's what happened and you've got five characters. We're just going to follow these characters. Mm-hmm. You've got your conserv, your you know politically conservative, well-meaning, sympathetic yep. white brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got your black brother in a predominantly white church. They're all part of the same church. Yeah. Uh, you've got your. Um, I mean, I don't even want to use the term woke, but let's just use it shorthand. <laughs> your kind of woke white girl who's ready to burn the church down because <laughs> it's full of white supremacists in yeah. her mind. Uh, you've got your Asian gal who wishes you the conversation would be on, be beyond That's black yes. and white. Yeah. And then you've got your pastor in the middle of it. Yeah. And what I try to do is just tell their perspective as fairly and as accurately as I can tell it. Uh, and then say, here's how I would respond to this person as their pastor. Mm-hmm. Here's how I would counsel them mm-hmm. uh, at different points so that they could have more fruitful conversations. Yeah. And then I kind of wrap up the book with just kind of didactic, this is why it is so hard to talk about race. This is why we should talk about mm-hmm. race. And here's how we can talk about race. So I'm trying my best in this book to not just name the problem, which, mm-hmm. is, which is useful, but to, to put a biblical chart a biblical way forward so that's that's the book i pray i mean i would listeners i would love for you to pray for the book uh yes. it has certainly been spiritual warfare writing it but i hope mm. it i hope it helps people um talk about race more helpfully yes. so uh i think the bible talks about talking so much so really mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. some ways it's a theology of speech yeah. yeah connected to race that's good um and speech is a big deal to God, mm-hmm. you know? And so I could hop into any of that, but that's what I'm trying to do in the book. And, um, yeah, man, it's been a long journey and I'm thankful it's almost over. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's it. So and you, then at the end I do provide, I do try to answer that question. What can I do? Yeah. So did you find, I mean, using that kind of format, your storytelling a lot. Yeah. Um, did you wrestle with, okay, how can this be authentic? How do I, don't just kind of create cardboard characters. Yes, but. yeah. It's so I, funny, real quick. What I was actually going to say was the complexity of the of the characters is, I, I think, does them a lot of justice. Like, mm. they're not just these broad, stereotypical, like, oh, this is exactly what's going to happen. There's seem right. to be a lot of complexity there. So go ahead, yeah, jump in Yeah, there. I hope so. I mean, Andy, that's a, that's a great, a great I mean, that's, question. That was my fear in writing it, is yeah, like, sure. you know, you just paint these caricatures and people feel unfairly represented, which... Mm if we can tell from the present day conversation is another reason why it's so hard to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, typically when people don't feel fairly represented, they don't enjoy the conversation. Yes. Right? So, <laughs> yes. um, on some level, um, I, I remember, but I think I hit that marker at least was close to it because I had one friend and editor who I really trust and respect read it. And he asked me this question when he was watching these two characters go at it with each other. And he said, which one's the good guy? And I was like, that's That's actually, that kind of ambiguity (laughs) is perfect. That's great. I want them both to be the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And I want them both to be the good guy. Because that's actually more honest to Mm -hmm. what happens in our conversation. It is not poor, innocent, um, poor, innocent minority and white hooded Klansmen sitting on the couch talking. Uh, And it's not poor, innocent, white person and you know, racially obsessed black person talking. Mm-hmm. It's complex. Yes. Just like the issue at hand. So the reason these things, another reason why these things are so hard to talk about. And I think if we, well, why they're so hard to talk about is because they're complicated. Yeah. And I think if we just accepted even that working principle and stopped acting like there was a straight line from the Bible to my opinion mm. about this shooting, even if I'm right and you're wrong, right. um, I think if we allowed for that kind of space, we'd have more fruitful discussion. When mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 not allowing for that kind of space, that is leading people to make these grandiose statements and mm-hmm. kind of blanket level things, where it's like you can't be a faithful Christian and think X. Oof, yeah. Yeah. So you know, one quote I use from Oz Guinness is this great quote where he says, "There's just not it's just not a far step from thinking." hey, here's what I think, to here's how Christians should think about this, to you are not a Christian if you don't think this way. Mm -hmm. And I think we see that happen a lot in our conversations about race. It's not to say, you know, we're not endorsing 
moral relativism where we're not right. saying it's all just gray. There's no, you know, no pun intended, black and white. Uh, but what we are trying to say, what I think we have to say is that it's complicated. Yeah. yeah. Some things aren't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're going to talk about, you know, the one, one, one of the reasons, one, one um, professor, he put it like this, clear villains as regards racism today are not easy to find. So mm-hmm. when you have the segregated lunch counter, mm-hmm. it's clear. Right. It's yeah. Unjust. Yeah. And, but what's, what's sobering about that is it's clear now. Mm-hmm. And I just don't presume that I would have had the theological acuity in the 1700s or even in the 1900s to know that was just against God. Mm. Yeah. I hope I would. Right. But what I want and thing I want to pray for is the same moral clarity on today that I have on the past. Yeah. And, you know, what in 50 years will people looking, be looking back on our generation yeah. like? But anyway, uh, so, where, so where I'm going with all this is to say it's complicated, and that means it's going to take work. And a lot of people in our churches don't want to put in the work to actually think mm. about the yeah. matters. And thus, it shows in our conversations. Yeah. Right. This is a complex question. Um, <laughs> Good. Yes. Those are the best. This <laughs> is complex to me. You're... You're in a conversation. Yeah. Uh, the hard part, you know, being somebody's majority culture, yeah, is you don't have your ideas challenged that much. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the conversation can quickly get. Well, let me. Sh- you act like you're on equal footing. Yeah. But maybe you're not really on equal footing. Yeah. Because you're perspective has been the generally accepted perspective that's right so there's an issue of are we on equal footing in that conversation or does there need to be work done by people who may have more of a majority perspective on things yeah uh that's a great question uh i think the answer is yes Mm -hmm. and here's what i mean um are we on equal footing well, insofar as we're all sinners, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Insofar as we're all saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Insofar as we all bear God's image, yes. Insofar as we have the same experience in this fallen world, no. Mm-hmm. And so what I argue in the book is that there is such a thing as historical asymmetry. Mm-hmm. This is why we have Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Now, already we're in debatable matters. Yes, Some yeah, Christian yeah, could yeah. listen to this and think that's not a good initiative, right? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. making an issue when there is no issue. But I think, you know, Black History Month was brought about, brought about because there was an asymmetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to say, and I think this is what, I think this is what we see even in Acts 6 when these deacons are picked, they're all Greeks. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, some people will retort saying, well, everyone had Greek names back then. Well, maybe. <laughs> but I think what you see is the church giving such deference to say like, okay, hey, we're all, we're in the position of, dare I say, power or strength being in the majority culture. So why don't I defer and hear who the weaker brother in this mm-hmm. sense, not inherently weaker, but historically weaker. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, well, you know, one person put it like this. It's not that black people know more. Mm-hmm. You know, spoiler <laughs> alert, we don't. I can say that. But, but that black voices have been marginalized for so long. And so it's good and I would say an enriching to the body of Christ to mm-hmm. hear mm-hmm. that different perspective. So I think, you know, so I go at this in this first chapter, another spoiler alert, uh, to say, white brothers and sisters, if you keep that asymmetry in mind, you will have such a better conversation. Mm-hmm. You really will. Uh, you, so it's the same reason, I want to be careful with this, I don't say this flippantly, but I think when it comes to abuse, there is an asymmetry. Mm-hmm. Typically what we have, we, we give more attention to men abusing women, not because it's better when women abuse men, mm. and that does happen, mm-hmm. but because the other is so much more prevalent mm-hmm. and in some sense so much more heinous. Men mm-hmm. you know, usually naturally being stronger, mm-hmm. being in the position of strength in that. And when we use our strength to hurt another image bearer, we're lying about the very mm. strength that should reflect what God is like in some sense. And so we want to respect that asymmetry. Hmm. Um, and so I think we want to do the same thing in the race conversation. Now we'll, we'll, have, we'll have different 
opinions about how how unbalanced things actually are. But I think you just have to recognize, you know, so one one reason, let me show you practically how this shows up, uh, and you were getting at it, Andy, is that white, a lot of my white brothers and sisters experience, uh, relate to racism as an idea, whereas a lot of my minority friends relate to it as an experience. Mm -hmm. So what do we do with ideas? Right. We test them, we prod them, evaluate them, compare them to something we previously knew to be true. Yeah. So a lot of white brothers and sisters can talk about racism in these kind of abstract ways. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and then kind of move from that to talking about baptism to talking about <laughs> the, the baseball game they watch. And it's, right. just, it's just a topic of conversation. Yeah. When, when you're talking yeah. to a minority, it's not necessarily that by any means. Mm -hmm. It's... They're thinking of stuff that has happened to them, yeah. happened to people they love, happened mm -hmm. to their mothers, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I know that someone listening to this will think, <laughs> will say, but I had this racist experience and I'm white and I lament that. Mm -hmm. And I think, well, good, then how much more, not good that it happened, but right. good, how much more then can you relate? That's good. So to bring this back, sorry, to something I was saying before about the book and the title, um, <laughs> I think when we run into those difficulties in our conversation, one of our main responses is to shut down, is to yeah. just be like, and I was using this metaphor of wearing a mask. So there's a, a poem called We Wear the Mask mm -hmm. from uh, 1906. Uh, I have it in the front. It's something like that. Um, and uh, the, it's a black man writing about being in a white world saying he has to wear a mask. He can't really be honest about who he is or what he's experienced. And it dawned on me that in the church, we often wear masks mm -hmm. when it comes to this conversation. Mm -hmm. People from any racial or ethnic background yeah. are just kind of hiding don't really, we do not feel safe to honestly share what we think because yeah. we'll either be called a racist or a Marxist or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And I think Satan will exploit that all yeah. the day long mm -hmm. in churches and our fellowship will be phony at best if we can't have honest and hard conversations. And what are we going to show a world that's asking, can we be reconciled mm -hmm. if we're not even willing to lower our masks and talk to one another? Mm -hmm. So the very play, but the tragedy, the tragedy is the very place that should be mask free uh, is a masquerade ball often when it comes to this conversation. Now, so the book was supposed to be called We Wear the Mask, then COVID happened. So we just had to, we just had to change the, the whole thing. That's right. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, the publisher was just like, yeah, that, that it's just a little confusing. And so, um, but the mask imagery is still in here. Yes. And it's 1896. We Wear the Mask by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. There so, you go. Yeah. That's great. That's great. That's great. Oh, man. There's there's so much there. I yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you're here, man. This is so great. And just so you guys know, this is the kind of grace that God has given me to experience monthly uh with this brother. Mm -hmm. Um just the the hopefulness and the the gospel centrality. There's a there's a calmness, there's a steadiness, there's just a resolve and an understanding. It's like, okay, God's got us. Yes. Um, God's going to help us. Yes. We can reasonably get into these matters because as important as these issues are, there's something that supersedes all of it. And, uh, and I absolutely love that. And I think there's a, there's a clarity and a, in, in the way that you kind of dip into, I understand someone's going to see it this way, but you don't get like riled up about it. Like, I, I think if there's a way to like, I don't know, I, I want to be able to infuse that type of, uh, um, gospelly DNA into our minds of how we just let's talk about these things. It's going to be okay. There's something bigger than all of this, and God's got our back. Um, I just, I really do appreciate that about you, brother. Well, two things yeah. on that. One is just on maybe the kind of steadiness or yeah. resiliency or whatever you want to call it. Uh, one, I don't always have that, so uh, I'm glad I have it now. But uh, and you know, in some senses, that's okay. Like their anger and emotion is a gift from God, so mm -hmm. I don't want to act like stoicism. But you're not advocating stoicism. I think you're advocating confidence. And yes. what I want to get at with that is, if we really believe Romans eight that mm. the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, Dude. 
I just refuse to believe that the Spirit can raise Jesus from the dead, but he can't guide people when they talk about hard things. <laughs> that's great. Yes. I just think that's mm-hmm. not Christ- a Christian way to think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Second on that, when we come to this conversation, we really have two options. I got this from a Hispanic brother who was talking about this. One is we can either say off limits, can't talk about that here. Mm. I think a lot of churches are opting for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think all of us who are married in this room, that's all of us. <laughs> no, you can't just avoid the hard topics with your wife. Right. Right, right. Or at least you can't and have a fruitful marriage, right? right? Exactly. So it's like, we are going to have to talk about this mm-hmm. at some time. Yes. Uh, now there's wisdom in choosing the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a word in season is what we want to speak. Yeah. But we want to speak it. Um, so that's one option. Don't talk about it. The second option is lower the volume. Mm-hmm. Lower the stakes. Yeah. So That's could good. it be that in our churches, someone can express a difference and not be informally excommunicated? Mm. Mm. And what I mean is you won't be shunned. You won't be... Yeah. Well, you sit over there and I'll sit over here. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's exactly what James says not to do. Like, <laughs> you sit there in a right, good place right. while yeah. I stand here. It's yeah. just like, hey, you know what? I think you're dead wrong, but I think the tie we have in Jesus is even better than that. Yes. And I think it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a bit uncomfortable with, for me to be in this church mm-hmm. with someone who would think that way. Mm-hmm. But I think there's more going on than just my personal comfort. Yeah. And there's more at stake, the evangelistic witness of this church. So let's just lower the volume. Yeah. And that's hard to do when you have the personal pain and that person's relating yeah. to it as an yes. idea. Yep. Yeah. That's really hard to do. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying rob it of its moral weight. Yeah. But the prayer is, Lord willing, you know, so one brother, I, I was talking about once at this, I don't know where, uh, but I was talking about it uh, in this conference about kind of my positive experience in predominantly white churches. Mm. And this black brother reached out to me later and basically rebuked me and said, I just want you to know your experience is the exception, not the norm. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I fear that he was right. Oh, sure. But I also hope he's less right yeah. with each passing day. Mm. So if mm-hmm. we're going to just go to our separate corners, let's just save ourselves the time. Mm-hmm. Let's not do the podcast. Let's just be separate and kind of Booker T. Washington, like be a part of the same hand, but different fingers. Yeah. I just don't think Jesus wants that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I'm going to fight in the other direction, realizing, you know, some brothers and sisters aren't built for that. And yeah. that's okay. So mm-hmm. we can have a whole nother fun conversation <laughs> yeah. about the kind of conscience binding I think is happening when mm. minorities are telling each other, you must leave yes. yep. your mm. predominantly white church. Mm. I think that's, mm. I understand why they would say leave, but the second you cross over into must, you're right. in, this is the Christian way to think about this, and mm. you're not a Christian if you don't think this way. That's good, man. So lower the volume is yeah. kind yeah. of the conversation tip with that. One question I have is just, I mean, one of the things we do this for is because we want to talk about things across generational lines, too. Um, so how do you relate to, like, how does this work I'm, I'm talking to man or woman who's my generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and a little, little, little reference point there. Uh, a lot of what I encounter in people my generation, for those who are listening who are more part of your world than our world here, <laughs> I'm 62. Uh, I know I sound 45. And I look, <laughs> I look, look 21, Andy. I mean, goodness. <laughs> but, uh, but I... Uh, but the fears that come up have to do with losing what we've always had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, my country slipping away, my country's being mm-hmm. taken away from me by yeah. these ideas. And again, you know, they said the same things in the 60s. Yes, they you did. Know? Yes. And, and they said the same thing. It's classic as you get older you move toward conservative. I want to protect what I have. Yep. That's just always going to be the case. Yep. But you're dealing with that, you know, with people who are not understanding uh, in the same way how things are, how ideas are, are, you know, flowing around in social media and that kind of stuff. They don't care. They just know what they, they know what's right. And, mm-hmm. you know, because I've lived that way and that's the way I've always been. So you're having these conversations with people who maybe, maybe you're a little more, like just entrenched. Mm-hmm. And this is the way I've always thought. 
and how do you how do you take what you're trying to say and speak cross generation generationally man I don't know when you figure it out let me know and I'll write another book <laughs> no, uh, uh, a couple of, a couple of thoughts one is one thing I do say in the book and I don't want this to sound antithetical to what I've said but there is a time to stop a conversation mm. so I, I kind of mm. walk through some con- some like how do you so we talked about you know earlier uh, from Ephesians 4 picking the right time a word in season so mm-hmm. how do you know yeah. Yeah. and I'll go through some kind of kind of like well answer this question answer this question answer mm-hmm. this question um, but one of the reasons, Andy, to your point, why it's so hard to talk about race is some people don't want to hear it. Yeah. Period. Mm. Don't want to hear it. Yeah. And at that point, I kind of treat it like evangelism. Not that I'm talking to a non-Christian, but what I mean is there are people who don't want to hear it about Jesus from me, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to cram it down their throats. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, this person doesn't want to hear it. So then I can pray for them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just have a different conversation. But let's say the person, you know, is willing. Um, you know, one, there's one aspect, you know, there's one theologian named C. Herbert Oliver, black brother from the civil rights era. era. Um, I think Presbyterian, man, Grimke Oliver. Anyway, there's just lots of Presbyterian. Anyway, um, and I'm a Baptist. Uh, but, uh, um, no comments. That's that. right. That's right. Uh, with my, here with my sovereign grace brother. No. Um, but he, he says, you know, ideas easily come by are easily lost Mm -hmm. and what he gets what he's getting at is people believe what they believe for a reason yeah might not be a good reason but it's a reason nonetheless and how institutions work Mm -hmm. is it's a collective of ideas and that thing is not going to easily seed ground yeah with you know Mm -hmm. someone just walking up in the martial house and be like we should we should turn the house this way it's like (laughs) no the house Mm -hmm. faces this way this is how it's been for 200 years, yeah. not 600, Jared. Uh, <laughs> the listeners, just so you know, Jared told me earlier, he educated me that the Marshall House was built in the 1400s. And I, <laughs> I educated him back that Christopher I was Christopher like, Columbus. That's man. right. I was like, he said 1400. I said, brother, that predates Columbus. Are you sure? And he said, I'm pretty sure. And I said, I don't think you're right, but we just turned down the volume. I said, this is my brother in Christ. You just dismissed him? Right. I just just kept going. Anyway. So anyway, but the instant, my point being, the institution itself is going to be hard to change. And so what I'm getting at there is, yeah, the older you get, the harder your mind is to change on some things. Mm -hmm. And what I find is this, Andy. That that's helpful for people is one to just do more reading because I find that the people like yourself who you're talking about, um, the when they don't want things to change, it's tip. It, let's ask the question. Yeah. I think questions are that's more right. helpful than accurate. Could it be because things are actually in your favor mm-hmm. and you like the way they are? Sure. Typically, we don't like things to change when yeah. we like the way they are. <laughs> yeah. yes. So the slave master did not want things to change. Mm-hmm. The slave wanted things to change. Yes. yes. Right. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. trying to make a one to one comparison. I'm yeah. just simply. So uh, let's read about why the way things are the way they are mm-hmm. from a source that maybe you disagree with. Yeah. Now, if you're not reading to anything, read any, willing to read anything you disagree with, then there's a problem. Yeah. But um, if you are, I think. Reading is super helpful, and we can talk about different book recommendations if you want. Yeah. But beyond that, I find that just the relationship is helpful. And what, what your generation does have, Andy, is the actual firsthand knowledge mm-hmm. that my generation reads about, but your generation was on the other side of the segregated lunch counter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, they might, so I actually find people in your generation to be oftentimes more sympathetic than mm. not because they're like, no, I remember things my father said. Mm. Yeah. Now, sometimes yeah. they'll be like, well, my father said these things, but he wasn't a racist. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But other times they will be like, they remember integrating their schools because mm. they were there. Yeah. And so when folks do that, they might have been, they might not be championing that anymore, but I think they have some resources you can draw on and what I think is the more they just get, I think relationships are crucial. Yeah. And the more we can diversify our relationships and just hear from brothers and sisters who are on the other side where mm. things were not as good. Mm. So I would connect them with a brother or sister, probably their age. Say, mm. why don't you just talk about what it was like when y'all integrated schools yeah. mm. and just see what happens. Yeah. Good. Does that answer your question? Excellent. Yeah, That's very great. Helpful. Very helpful. 
That's really good. We're gonna we're gonna land the plane here. I kind of I kind of just want to keep this going. This is this is great. <laughs> Over man. to you, man. <laughs> um, man. Yeah. So okay, recap. Book comes out in January. I, I feel like rolling. after yeah. hearing this, people are gonna be like, I need to get my hands on that book. So the book will be in the show notes. Um, I want to remind you to read some Grimke. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So why don't you just, start finding that? And that's yeah. that's how about yeah. we land the plane with that? Yeah, you, I mean, if you, look, you know, Grimke has a Philadelphia connection. You know that he does. What is it? I, he, he is either grandson or son-in-law of James Fortin, who was an early. He was he was a prominent uh, African American black black businessman. Yeah. Oh, wow. Through the through the Revolutionary War and into interesting. The, I didn't. Yeah, know and that. then his daughter. Mary Grimke, I think. Wow. That's or so married, or and then Francis Grimke was either a son-in-law or a grandson. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, the I mean, he's got. I mean, his that time period is just. I mean, it's he crazy. did Frederick Douglass's second wedding. I mean, it's yeah. just. You've got yeah. Frederick Douglass. You've got Lincoln. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's all yeah, just yeah, yeah, a yeah. crazy time. <laughs> crazy um, so Grimke says this. Um, he's talking about the power of prayer, and I think sometimes when people hear. Prayer, they kind of scorn it. And yeah. frankly, I think Satan is quite happy for yeah. them to scorn yeah. it. Um, and what I think history is so helpful in revealing is like, you scorn it because you're like, oh, we can do so much and that doesn't really do that much. Mm. When I think Christians who were in much harder circumstances than you saw it not as something to scorn, but something to prize and to treasure mm. because mm. it's actually all they had. Yes. Mm. So Grimke commenting on Christian slaves uh and the south and said um he said this about their commitment to pray uh he said when they were hoeing in the cotton field when the crack of the overseer's whip was sounding in their ears when their backs were smarting under the lash of the hard taskmaster when they stood upon the auction block when families were broken up the father going in one direction the mother in another and the children still in another there went up from their bleeding hearts the cry to heaven how long O lord how long Every day, every night, almost every hour in every day, the cry of their bleeding hearts was poured into the ear of heaven. Mm -hmm. And I believe, as mighty were the, as were the other influences, there was none more potential than this. Prayer was their only weapon at that time. Mm -hmm. And how mightily did they wield it. Grimke goes on to say, lawless ruffians may keep the Negro away from the poles by shotguns and by unrighteous laws and in intimidation may shut him out of first class cars. But there is no power by which all the combined forces of evil in the South can keep the Negro from approaching the throne mm. of grace. Mm. Mm. And so Grimke concludes, it is a solemn thing when millions of souls, mm. however poor and humble they may be, carry their appeal from man's injustice to the bar of the almighty. It is a serious matter for a nation when any body of people, however few, betake themselves not to revolt, but to prayer. Wow. Amen. Wow. It's like, why do I even preach? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so preached. Wow. Yeah. Well, I feel like we should close this in prayer. Yeah. And um, who's going to do it? Who should we have to do it? Andy, do you want to close us? Sure. Let's do yeah, that. Sure. Thank you. Hmm. Holy Father, we see where we are now far we have to go. Mm -hmm. We see the sin in our hearts that would just soon break apart, sit and do two different places in the church, run finding churches that fit what feels right to us. Lord, the effort to listen, the effort to talk wisely, to learn, to be willing to be challenged Lord, to not settle into things that make sense to us and defend them against any other ideas. The tendency to talk about things as if they're ideas only and not experiences. 
to presume we understand another person in the first five or six sentences they they share the unwillingness to go to push past awkwardness to repent when we haven't spoken carefully lord only only grace can move us in the right direction lord there is nothing natural about what isaac is talking about it's not happening around us it's not happening in the world it often isn't happening in the church father we need your spirit to move to move in our hearts to move in our congregations lord thank you for this brother who is seeking to to be a voice that advocates the throne of grace and points people to the power of prayer. Lord, I pray that you would meet him, Lord, in the new directions you're sending him. Lord, bless him in this book. Uh, Lord, he's not looking to build a platform. He's looking to influence people and churches protect him O god mm-hmm. from platform building lord help him to remain true to his primary calling yes. as a husband as a father as a preacher as a church leader help him to be a man of the church because mm-hmm. i do believe that there will be opportunities that hold themselves out as ways to make his name known And I pray that, Lord God, you would help him to make all his decisions to make your name known. Mm -hmm. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this friendship between JT and Isaac. I pray that you would enrich it and deepen it, even if it's not able to be accessed face-to-face that often. Bless the work of his hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.